SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, and hour number three is right now. Happy hour on TMA, right here on the Spiz Grizz and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. To begin happy hour, we start with some breaking news out of Major League Baseball. On what has been considered deadline day, Monday, February 28th, for a deal to get done to end MLB's lockout and bring back the season of baseball before regular season games were canceled, this breaking news update not in terms of those ongoing negotiations. But Derek Jeter is now stepping down as the CEO of the Miami Marlins. This report coming out within the last couple of minutes. Derek Jeter's time as the CEO of the Miami Marlins seems as though it is coming to an end based on reports. So that's some big developing news out of Major League Baseball. Of course, Derek Jeter, a surefire Hall of Famer. Number two, Derek Jeter, number two, no longer the CEO of the Miami Marlins. We'll hope to get some reaction to that coming up later on in this show. But to start out our number three and happy hour here on the morning after, it is our West Coast wake up. We welcome in our West Coast audience right here on TMA. And last night out on the West Coast in Los Angeles, oh, it is a bleak picture right now for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I mean bleak because when you look at this score, 123.95 in a loss at home to the New Orleans Pelicans. It does not look good for the Lake Show at the moment. The Lakers losing outright last night as a two and a half point home favorite. The Pelicans winning outright in both of their games as an underdog since returning from the All Star break. Now, the Lakers have lost both of their games since coming back from the All Star break in nine of their last 12 overall. The Lakers is a favorite this year. 14 and 25 against the number that is the fourth worst ATS record in the NBA when booked as a favorite this year the Pels have been a dog a ton 47 of their 61 games now 22 and 25 against the number but both games on the other side of the all-star break New Orleans has won outright as an underdog they snapped the Suns eight game winning streak a couple of nights back and then yesterday in LA on the road winning outright as a two and a half point underdog you see the title of that graphic we had for the box score play in possibilities both New Orleans and Los Angeles right now if the season ended today which it does not but if the season ended today they would play each other in that first game in the play-in tournament why the Lakers are in the ninth spot in the Western Conference standings New Orleans has that 10 spot secured at the moment the same win percentage as the Portland Trailblazers but the slight advantage in the conference standings the Lakers are six games below 500 and if there is any hope for them in getting out of the play-in situation right now it does not look very optimistic the Lakers are three and a half games behind the Clippers even for that eighth spot in the Western Conference standings and the Lakers who are the preseason favorites to win the West at plus 195 are now 26 to 1 the longest odds we have seen on the Lakers 
all season long. The seventh best odds in the Western Conference, but at plus 2,600, by far the longest price we have seen on the Lakers all season long. And when you compare this to the Brooklyn Nets, which we will do in just a moment here, on the morning afters, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience, Sirius XM, Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliate as well. I am Ben Stevens, going around the association in our West Coast wake-up, discussing a very bad turn of things right now for the Los Angeles Lakers. And as I mentioned, L.A. was the preseason favorites to win the West at plus 195. Now 26-1 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The longest price by a good margin we have seen on L.A. all year long. For comparison's sake, they were 19-1 to 1 at the All-Star break just a couple of days ago. $7 of movement against them based on two losses in Los Angeles emerging from the All-Star break. And again, we've talked about the Brooklyn Nets in the East all year long, and the odds being surprisingly short at times, even before the All-Star or the trade deadline with James Harden not really playing and Kyrie Irving only playing in half of the games for Brooklyn and Kevin Durant being sidelined for a good portion of this year. Well, now KD is almost on his way back. Now Ben Simmons is coming back to the fold and the price for the Brooklyn Nets is plus 290 to win the Western Con- or the Eastern Conference rather. They are the favorites in the East. And although the market has worked against them, they are still the favorites. They're in the 8th spot right now in the Eastern Conference standings. They were the preseason favorites in the East and are the lone favorites right now to win the Eastern Conference despite being the 8th seed in the standings. It's an indication that the future price on the Brooklyn Nets is still positive, that once they get to the playoffs, even if it's in a play-in tournament they need to emerge out of, Brooklyn is the favorite to win the Eastern Conference crown at full strength. The Lakers, meanwhile, are in the ninth spot in the Western Conference standings and are now 26-1. to The FanDuel Sportsbook is not nearly or anywhere even close to as optimistic about the Los Angeles Lakers, which I think paints a very dismal picture on what L.A. holds the rest of the way here. If they can even stay in the play-in tournament, how do they get out of the play-in tournament? And what does the future for Los Angeles now look like beyond this year, the end of the regular season, and potentially a spot in the play-in tournament for LeBron James and the rest of the Lakers? We had some breaking news in baseball on deadline day. We get to that next here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after with a baseball breaking news bombshell right now on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, our Major League Baseball insider who covers the Miami Marlins and is the host of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish joins us on the show right here in this moment, just a couple of minutes following his breaking news alert that Miami Marlins and Derek Jeter have parted ways. Derek Jeter stepping down as the CEO of of the Marlins. So, Craig, what was the reporting behind this breaking news tweet that you just shared out moments ago? 
Well, good morning. First of all, Ben, it's good to see you. I didn't expect to be on uh, this quickly this morning. 1130 is usually my call time here for the show. So apologize for not being shaved. I'll try to correct that for uh, for the show coming up at noon. <laughs> all good. Um, good to see you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think overall, it doesn't uh, catch me by surprise. But today, it caught me by surprise. I, I did not expect, um, you know, this to happen this morning. Uh, but look, naturally, when uh, Derek Jeter and uh, Bruce Sherman and the group of ownership that took over uh, back a few years ago, there were some expectations that, you know, fans would be in the stands and, um, you know, the team would be making money. There's a lot of different reasons why that didn't happen. Uh, but naturally, after a few years of doing this, uh, you know, the success rate was basically a on the field. Ben was a, you know, 60 game season where they made the postseason. Other than that, not much else. Uh, but make no mistake about about it. You know, Jeter did a lot of wonderful things for the organization. Uh, you know, they built, you know, a, a great complex in the Dominican Republic, hired uh, Kim Eng, uh, the first uh, woman general manager in the history of Major League Baseball. So he'll leave behind some really positive things. But overall, uh, you know, I, I just don't know that the progress uh, was fully made that uh, that was expected. So, Craig, you mentioned it. The timeline of this news coming to the surface today. Why do you think all of this is breaking today? Uh, well, I don't know yet because it just happened about 10 minutes. But tomorrow on the show, we can do that. <laughs> or or maybe in about an hour, we could do that. Yeah, I don't know the answer as to why, Ben. L like I said, I'm not completely surprised by this. I, I you know, to, to say that I thought that, uh, that Derek would be the, the CEO of the Marlins two or three years from now, you know, I, I would have probably bet against that, just kind of seeing the way that things are going. And again, when you take over a CEO and he had a you know small piece of the ownership also in the Miami Marlins, I mean, the expectation was is that there was going to be significant change. Fans were going to come to the games. The team was going to start winning. And again, Ben, outside of two years ago where they won 60 games, you know, we really just haven't seen that on the field. Now, the good news is, is that the Marlins definitely have, you know, sort of built back their prospects and gotten to the point where it looks like those prospects are going to help them compete in the future, but looks like really can't be the answer. The answer has to be they have to start winning now. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose just uh, not good enough on both sides. I mean, I'll keep digging into this, obviously, but it's very fresh. And right. I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn. No, we appreciate that. And this story continuing to develop. And Craig Mish was the first to break this news that the Miami Marlins and the Derek and Derek Jeter are parting ways from his role as CEO. So, Craig, today was a day floated out by Major League Baseball as the deadline for when the deal needed to be done to end the Major League Baseball lockout that would bring the regular season back on time. And regular season games were not in threat of being canceled. But we have this news today, at least yeah. right now to begin what do you think the reaction around major league baseball will be to this bombshell out of miami well i mean i can only judge by the text that i'm getting since we're sitting here and, and doing the show and you know sort of my notifications blowing up like no other which is not a surprise i think everyone is shocked um you know i think everyone is surprised the timing is definitely very interesting because normally when big stories like this do happen in Miami, I, I tend to be, I think, Ben, I think it's fair to say I tend to be the one that usually has a lot of these. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I did not know. I did not have any inkling that this was going to happen right now. I know that, uh, you know, before the um, the shutdown, before the lockout, Ben, uh, you know, Derek was very heavily involved in all of the dealings, all of the trades that the Marlins made. Remember, just before the deadline, they acquired a catcher in Jacob Stallings from the Pittsburgh Pirates. They acquired Joey Wendell 
you know, from the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know he was a big part of those trades, too. Um, you know, the decision maker, essentially, in those trades. So, uh, you know, the disconnect has to be somewhere in between then and now as far as why this sort of escalated to that point. Um, you know, and as time goes by, I'll you know certainly have that. You mentioned that as this goes on and as your reporting continues here, we'll cipher through some of why this happened. What questions will you be asking, Craig? What do you want to know as to why this relationship did not ultimately end up working out? Yeah, I, I think that I'd probably uh, want to know, uh, you know, if this was more uh, Derek's decision or this was more of the overall ownership's decision. Um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, kind of where I'm led to and sort of the timing of it is definitely odd because if, you know, if you're going to do something like this, you probably want to do it before, uh, you know, as soon as the season ends back in 2021, because again, he was a big part of a lot of the trades and the free agent signings. I forgot to mention they signed Avicel Garcia to a four-year contract as well. So, you know, he's a big part of that. And now he's no longer a part of the things that he basically, you know, signed off on as the CEO. So, um, you know, why, why, why was he a part of that and not a part now? I think as my mind is, you know, sort of going here, mm -hmm. that would probably be one of the questions that I would ask. And I will. So, and you certainly will. And we look forward to hearing what those answers might potentially be from your sources in the know. The Marlins right now, Craig, once a baseball season is underway, 30-1 to 1 to win the National League pennant. What does the future look like now for the Miami Marlins? Well, you know, I don't think that that very much changes because a lot of the pieces are still going to be in place as far as the people who are running the organization. I, I think, um, you know, at this point, you would have to say that Kim Eng who is the general manager is going to have a major footprint in everything moving forward. And basically I would think is making all of the key decisions uh, that the Marlins are making with essentially at this point, uh, you know, there's only one person that's sort of uh, now, you know, in, in terms of influence above her in their vice president or in their president of player development, Gary Denbo, I'm not even sure what his role is going to be moving forward too. That's another one that I'm going to have to dive into pretty soon because he's kind of tied to Derek Jeter. Uh, but yeah, as far as the market is concerned, I, I think that's a fair number at 30 to one. The National League East is going to be extremely tough. I know we said that last year, but it wasn't. Uh, the reality is, is that Miami definitively, Ben, is better than Washington. But I think you'd have a hard time convincing anyone that based on the roster construction that they have right now, that they would be better than Philadelphia, New York, or so, Craig, you touched on it right as we brought you on. What do you think Derek Jeter's legacy in the front office for the Miami Marlins will be? Well, that's a great question, Ben. Um, Thank you. Lots of positive things were done. I think that he was instrumental in helping their uh, international scouting. Again, I mentioned the Dominican Republic. I think that that's going to be a big part of what the Marlins do moving forward. I think he created a lot of positive attention from a public relations point of view by hiring Kim Eng. And I think at the very least, you can point to the Marlins making the, the, the postseason for the first time since 2003 in that shortened season in 2020. So I think those are the three things that I feel that from a positive point of view will be Derek Jeter's legacy here, but inevitably he's leaving short of the prize. So can you say overall, this was a success? I don't think so. That is a really, really good summation, and there will be plenty more to come, come from Craig Mish later on today. Fantasy Sports Today starts right here on the grid at noon Eastern time as well. Craig, go look at your phone. I'm sure it is blowing up right now, so we thank you for <laughs> stopping by for look a couple me. of minutes. Terrible. And look at how gray I mean, I'm getting, Ben. You're going to be there, too.
You're going to be there too. I think you, you keep betting on the Big Ten, you're going to get a lot of these customers. <laughs> doesn't go well. Okay. I appreciate that, Craig. And I also think the facial hair looks good. Plenty more updates to this story that Craig Mish broke for us here on Sports Grid coming today on Fantasy Sports Today, starting at noon Eastern time. Craig, thank you so much for your time and giving us the latest as Derek Jeter and the Miami Marlins have parted ways from his role as CEO. Craig, thanks so much. All right, Ben. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. And make sure to keep it here on the Spiz Grizz. Fantasy Sports Today, again, at noon Eastern time. And Craig, with more updates to come on Twitter, I am sure. Plenty more to come here on the morning after for this Monday night slate. Stay with us on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. We are now very pleased to welcome on FanDuel's Tom Vecchio. No breaking news, but some top props for this Monday night of action in both the NBA and the NHL. And if that leads to profitability in your pocketbook, it's pretty darn good as well. Tom, thank you for joining us again here on the morning after on a Monday. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I don't have any breaking news to share in terms of the MLB news. Uh, I would love for them to obviously finish the deal today so we can get to some home run props, but we'll stick for NBA and NHL tonight. That's what we need. We need some home run props from the man we know as the home run prop king, Tom Vecchio. Hopefully very soon. I thought we'd get breaking news out of Major League Baseball today. I just didn't think it would be Derek Jeter stepping down in his role as the CEO of the Miami Marlins, which SportsGrid's Craig Mish broke for you and discussed here just a couple of moments ago. Anyway, let's fast forward to tonight and some of the top props for an NBA Monday night slate. Tom, let's begin in Milwaukee, where the Bucks need a bounce back after a bad effort a couple of nights ago on Saturday against the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe not a bad effort, but a loss as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. So the Bucks tonight against the Hornets, where's the value in the prop market in your mind? This game is shaping up to be a very, very high scoring one with a 240 over under. And I think that leads to me looking at some of the secondary options as I normally like to do. You know, I think Kumpo's line is fine. I think LaMelo Ball, his you know points from bounds assist, all those lines are fine. But I'm looking at Bobby Portis for three plus made threes. Now, this line was sitting at plus 168 earlier this morning. It's now down to plus 108. Uh, Bobby Porsche is coming off a game against the Nets where he hit eight threes. Now, I don't expect him mm. to hit eight threes, uh, <laughs> you know, every night or every other night. But he's averaging three made threes in the month of February. Again, a 240 over under. The Hornets are number one in the league in offensive pace while the Bucks are sitting at eight. So we're going to see plenty of back and forth action. But most importantly, the Hornets are the second worst team in the league for the most three-pointers allowed per game to their opponents sitting at 13.9. And the team in last place is the Milwaukee Bucks sitting at 14.1. So the scoring upside really on both teams is phenomenal. We look to the matchup for Bobby Portis, specifically for the Hornets against centers. They're in the bottom 10 league for the most three-pointers allowed per game. He's taking more. He's hitting more. It's a 240 over-under. Like, everything is shaping up for Bobby Portis to, yeah, maybe not hit eight threes again, but he could certainly get to three uh, given the matchup. Big game, Bobby Portis, a team high 30 points in that loss to the Brooklyn Nets 
on Saturday night. Tom, a matchup tonight also with the two top teams in the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat host the Chicago Bulls. We have discussed in length the monster of the mid-range, as you have coined him, in DeMar DeRozan. Still over 30 points on Saturday night in the loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, but the first time that he hasn't gone 35 or more while shooting 50% or better from the field in a very, very long time. How do you evaluate DeMar DeRozan now in the prop market for the Bulls and the Heat tonight? I don't think much changes, if, you know, 31 points, 30 points, 35 points for DeMar DeRozan. I, I think we're going to still see him around the same, you know, usage, same shot volume on a nightly basis. Like, this should just be a very good game to watch. Uh, immediately yep. for me in this game, I would actually be going to the Miami side because Kyle Lowry is ruled out. So we could be seeing, you know, more usage for Jimmy Butler, who has gone off to an okay start in the first few games this side of the All-Star break. Bam Adebayo continues to put up big games. So I'd be looking to uh, Jimmy Butler for his points, rebounds, assist prop. I'd be looking to Tyler Hero coming off the bench, you know, uh, looking to secure his sixth man of the year award for the Heat. So they're going to need some secondary scoring outside of Butler and Adebayo because Kyle Lowry's out. So the consistency is going to be there for DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine on the Bulls side. But because of the injury situation for Miami, I would actually turn to them. If you're looking for a double-double tonight, Nikola Vucevic, a double-double for Chicago in 11 of his last 13 games. The Bulls, an underdog on the road against the Miami Heat tonight. The Bulls lost to the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday night. Memphis in action tonight, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. Not on the Grizzlies' side, Paul, but for the Spurs, an area in the prop market tonight, Tom, that you are looking to for the San Antonio Spurs. Where's the value there? Yeah, another game, another high over-under, and another chance to look to a secondary player. I, I think some of the lines for these secondary players are slightly soft, and it's not by a big margin, but we look to Keldon Johnson, the over 24.5 points, rebounds, assists combined. It's again, minus 120, so a little bit of juice there, but big 237 over-under going up against the Grizzlies. San Antonio, they are fifth in the league in offensive pace, and Memphis is sitting at sixth. So again, two teams, plenty of possessions back and forth. And realistically, we see Johnson very, very strong from the field right now. He has 22 points or more in four of his last seven games. He's gone over the 24 and a half in five of his last seven games. He's taken plenty of field goals, plenty of three-point attempts on a nightly basis. And, you know, realistically, this is a player that's going to add in six, seven, eight, nine rebounds. He's only going to have two, maybe three assists. But if he's getting there in terms of pure points alone at 22 or more, in five of the last seven, given the over-under in this game, given the potential pace, yeah. he could break this simply just on points. So I love this matchup. You know, Murray and Morant is obviously going to be an amazing matchup to watch. We know the ceiling they both can have. Murray is putting up, you know, triple doubles almost at halftime. Morant's going for 30, 40-plus points on a nightly basis. But the secondary options in a lot of these games are, you know, the lines are kind of soft. Like I said, 24-and-a-half for a player that's posted 22 points or more in four of his last seven, I think, is a great spot. Yeah, some of those secondary markets certainly give you some opportunity to talk about the all-star DeJounte Murray, plus 350 to record a triple-double. Yes, it's still plus money, but a relatively short number for a guy to have a triple-double in an NBA game. We mentioned, Tom, at the top of your time here, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday night. Now Brooklyn back home tonight against the Toronto Raptors, which changes things drastically from a roster perspective for the net so how does that change your handicapping for brooklyn home versus away 
Well, this means we should be seeing Patty Mills step into the starting lineup for the Nets. It'll be him at the one, probably Seth Curry at the two. Uh, I actually like this spot. Uh, you know, if you're playing fantasy tonight, maybe Gordon Dragic is an option to look to because we did see him make mm. his Nets debut for uh, them on Saturday night at the Bucks. He only played 14 minutes. But because there's going to be no Kyrie Irving tonight, this is a spot that maybe Dragic plays over 20 minutes. So looking at Patty Mills and Seth Curry, you know, primarily as one and two, maybe Andre Drummond as the third option. But if you find some lines on Goran Dragic, a player that just naturally should be seeing more minutes because it's his second game back, but also a potentially increased amount because there's going to be no Kyrie Irving, that would also be, uh, you know, a spot to go if you can find some good lines for that. Only one prop out so far for the Brooklyn Nets in the player point perspective, and that is Seth Curry at 16 and a half. A number Seth Curry has gone over in four of five since joining Brooklyn. Maybe a tease to our bye, bye, bye best bet to close out the morning after on this Monday. But the knowledge from FanDuel's Tom Vecchio does not stop in the NBA on a Monday night. We also take it to the ice. Tom, your favorite play for the NHL action on this Monday is what? That is the Canucks at the Devils over six and a half. It's sitting at even money plus 100. Both teams are, you know, realistically not good this year. And, but we've actually seen the offense pick up for both of them as of late. Seven goals or more in each of the Canucks' last five games. Seven goals or more in five of the last six games for the Devils, including three games ending at 9, 11, and 13 goals over the past few for the Devils. So, they don't play a whole lot of defense. They have a competent offense, and they're getting things moving. So I like the over here, just two teams that should kind of play back and forth. It is the second night of a back-to-back for the Canucks. They played against the Rangers last night, so it's not really a travel situation for them, New York to New Jersey. I will say one line that I'm also considering for the Devils is their 60-minute line. Their normal money line is sitting at minus 130, but the 60-minute line is sitting at plus 120. So uh, the 60-minute line or the three-way money line, whatever you want to call it, that means they have to win in regulation. So if they win in a shootout or win in overtime, that doesn't count. But the 60-minute line at plus 120 for the Devils, a team that's fully rested against the team that's on a a minor back-to-back, I think is a spot that I kind of like tonight. Tom, the NBA and the NHL, pretty much both in their home stretch of this regular season. You mentioned the secondary market at at times for the props can be a little bit softer, but do you expect those edges to get a little bit sharper as we are now in the home stretch for the NBA and the NHL? I think it comes down to how much teams change things because, you know, a lot of these teams that are going to be out of the playoff picture or they're going to be calling up players from the G League. You know, how much run are those uh, players that are normally on the, the end of the bench? How much you know time are they going to be getting? So teams that are out of it looking to star players like, I don't know, maybe Jeremy Grant for the Pistons, like his time could mm-hmm. be scaled back because they know what they have in Jeremy Grant. So the unders on those types of players could be the play because they're going to be getting some of the younger players a bit more time on the court. Instead of playing 35 minutes for Jeremy Grant, maybe all of a sudden he starts playing 27, 28, and that would lean to the under. So a lot of these teams coming down to the end, we could see their rotations change, just more players in the rotation taking shots and minutes away from some of those starting players. So that would be a trend I would be uh, you know, jumping on board with, again, finding the trends, jump on board, and as soon as it changes, you know, move to the next spot. I think that's a great, great point because as we get to the tail end of this NBA season, just about 20 games left for most teams in the league. Some will be positioning themselves for a playoff push. Others will already be looking to the lottery and might they take their foot off the gas, leading to big spreads, big totals, and maybe opportunities in the prop market as well. That is the insight 
that Tom Vecchio brings you. Tom Vecchio from FanDuel. Not breaking news here on a Monday on the morning after, but giving you some good top prop plays for this Monday night slate. Tom, as always, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. All right, so coming up next here on the morning after, on this Monday, after the madness that we saw on Saturday in college basketball, and as the madness officially begins tomorrow in the month of March, we need an advisor to help us make sense of all the insanity. Stay here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, now joined by our sportsbook conciliary, the man known as Dave Sherapan. It's nighttime in Pittsburgh. It's a Philly hat on his lid today, and we need this advice right now, Dave, because if you didn't know, tomorrow is March 1st, where the madness officially begins. But we saw a ton of madness on Saturday in college basketball as well. Help us make sense of it all, Dave, will you? There's no making sense of anything that we saw. It's the first time ever that all the top five, let alone the six and the ten, all lost in college basketball on the same day. Um, Yep. They weren't all dogs, though. I mean, as we understand in the betting aspect of all this, yes, the ranked teams all lost, but it weren't all upsets i think they all stormed the court though every one of those so you know that is what it is but no man this is this is beware the ides of march is a famous line very much so and it very much it, it applies to college basketball as well and dave that's a great point because of the seven teams from the ap top 10 that lost on the same day the most ever we have seen lose on the same day in college basketball history Five of them booked as a favorite, two booked as an underdog, all seven on the road, and four of them were in a ranked matchup. So, yes, anarchy for sure. That's what college basketball is. Historic stuff for sure, but also based on the odds, maybe not all that surprising. The largest spread was Gonzaga, favored by 10.5 on the road against St. Mary's. But as you always say, Sherapan, Nobody knows squadoosh. So from a book perspective, a risk room perspective, you see what happens on Saturday. Does it change the thought process at all in this final week of the regular season or into conference tournaments when setting game spreads and totals? No, actually, it makes it easier because now everyone is questioning every number you put up and you just go, okay, you know what? We've been waiting for months to need the dogs, you know, every day. So maybe you shorten a line or two where, you know, you're thinking it should be six. Maybe you put five and a half or five because, okay, it's okay to let people bet the favorite. You never will have a line too high again. I can tell you that after a day like that on, on Saturday, we're good needing every dog on the board. That's the way the books will approach it. Um, and at least the more uncertainty is actually better for the books, I think, just because now you might get spread bets on both sides, whereas in a lot of games, 
it's 80%, it's 85% all on one side. So you may get a little more balanced action. But no, as far as changing the process, it's it's perfect. It's exactly what the books wanted was a day like Saturday, right before conference tournaments start. Yeah, I'm glad for the books. Great. I'm glad that you could enjoy Saturday. That's a wonderful thing, Dave. But I think, again, because nobody knows Squadoosh, and we have all this madness in a year of college basketball where we already knew it wasn't going to be one or two teams that could contend for a national title, but probably 10, 12, maybe even 14 teams that have a realistic shot as of the moment of winning a national championship, might we be able to spot some value on the futures outright board? So Dave, as we look at those national championship odds, once again, are there any prices that stand out to you or how would you advise people at the very least to approach the futures market as it pertains to the tournament and winning a national championship? Well, tell you what, what Saturday is, is, is a reminder that it's a one gamer. And that you ha you yeah. have to win six of them in a row, so it might bring in some people on teams like Villanova, like Texas Tech, like Baylor, where maybe you didn't take as many bets on them prior the week prior to the tournament. Um, it might actually you might have to move odds on teams like Auburn or someone like Kansas, where they go, see, I told you they're not going to win it. And now you might mm. take bets on some other teams. So, I mean, this thing is you got to win, you got to hit a six game parlay to win a national championship. It is very hard. In any one night, you have a bad shooting night, and someone has a really good shooting, you know, day and, and gets those rebounds that are, you know, sometimes coin to coin flips, they can beat you. So, yeah. Um, Again, I think for the book, you know, I, I don't mean to smile, but I'm like, hey, you can bet on all these teams now. We've had these up all year. You may get bets on teams that you didn't have a lot of bets on, especially right now. So, I mean, is St. Mary's going to win? No, they're not going to win the tournament. But they're going to be, um, you know, where it's like possible that they can – win a game or two you might have some regional bets stuff come up right that maybe didn't come up before dave i think that's a great point and i love the thought behind what you said right there to win a national championship is a six game parlay and yes if you're a one seed against the 16 seed that's going to be a minus 700 money line and even probably heavily favored every step along the way but a six game parlay even if the odds are in heavy minus money is still a very difficult thing to do. So as you put your brackets together and as you approach the national championship market and who the front runners might actually be, remember, it's a six-game parlay. I like that a lot, Dave Sherapan, our sportsbook conciliary, always providing the best advice. You are also, as we switch it over to the NBA, wearing a Philadelphia 76ers hat. Yes. And so far, Dave, through two games on the other side of the all-star break since james harden has made his debut for philly it's looked pretty perfect and looked like exactly what daryl morey wanted when he made the blockbuster deal to get james harden from brooklyn and sending ben simmons and some others to the brooklyn nets james harden a triple double yesterday in the garden and joel Embiid, 37 points in a big sixers victory dave as you look at what the sixers are doing right now what does that tell you about where they stand moving forward in the Eastern Conference? 
Well, I mean, with Embiid being the odds-on favorite to win the MVP, I think it brings a lot of people into what I kind of have rooted for and hoped the last couple of years is that the Sixers can actually win the Eastern Conference and get to the NBA Finals. Um, mm. This is real now. This is this is very real. So, man, I think, um, I mean, like Sixers and over until further notice, they look like yep. they're going to score. They look like they're going to kind of push the ball. Um, you know, Shame said it, it. They get to the free throw line with Embiid. He takes the ball to the basket. It's foul, foul, foul. They score a lot of points without the clock moving. I think they're they're almost now with Harden, not resistance proof to scoring and having a really off night, but they can score from three, and they can yep. throw it inside, old school. So it's that it's a little bit different than a lot of the volume teams that are shooters that hit threes and then don't have a way to score when those shots aren't going down. So I think um, I love the Sixers song. Um, I think we're going to hear a lot more 10, 9, 8, 76ers music down the stretch. I think if the Sixers can find a way to get, I don't know if the one seed is really possible. I mean, they really have to have a meltdown by, by the heat or the bulls, but the yeah. two seed is very possible. If they have the two seed in the home court, although they haven't been a good home court team all season, hopefully that'll change too. Well, the first two games with the beard on the road. When Philly gets back, maybe it's a different scenario. But you mentioned it. Joel Embiid yesterday, 37 points, 23 of them coming from the free throw line. He was 23 of 27 from the charity stripe. And again, James Harden, 29, 16 dimes, and 10 rebounds to boot as well for a triple-double. Philly has won three straight. They have covered in both games with James Harden as well in over in four straight, just two and a half games back of the Heat in the Eastern Conference standings in that third spot and the third-best odds in the futures market as well, Dave, to win the Eastern Conference crown at plus 350. And we saw a change at the top based on the result on Saturday night in Milwaukee. The Nets beating the Bucks, and now the favorites in the East once again at plus 290, only 10 cents shorter than the Milwaukee Bucks. And Dave, those top three prices right there, all within 60 cents of each other. How do you evaluate the front runners in the Eastern Conference? I don't believe the Nets until I see the Nets. And hmm. um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the, the books aren't raising that number a little bit higher to get some Nets money because I don't know who's betting them at that price, Ben. I have no idea. Um, they're going to be, I believe, at best, the five seed. They're going to have to go on the road, which, again, has been better for them probably than home. But um, they're going to have to go every step of the way as the road team, it looks like to me. And yeah. the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be fantastic. Um, the Bucks are the are the – you know, the king of the hill until they get knocked off. Understandable. Sixers right there. But, I mean, those are – the NBA is the playoff series, much different than the NCAA tournament that we were just talking about, one and done. Who's going to beat who in a four-game series is all I was looking at all the time in the risk room. And that's all people should be looking at, um, you know, 
when they're making bets on futures at this point. Yeah. It's not like who's hot, who can do this. Can you win four four-game series, whether you're home or away, style basketball you play, yes, no. That's all you should be looking at. The East looks a lot more wide open to me than the West. The West looks like it's still going to be Phoenix and Golden State, and and we're going to see there's going to be games. There are going to be rough roads to get there. You know, the Jazz, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets even, the Mavericks could beat anybody any time once. Can they beat them four times? I don't know, right. man. I, I, I can't wait. I, I can tell you this. Who's not going to be there? Your Los Angeles Lakers. Are they still your Los Angeles Ooh. Lakers? I mean, I know Calabasas, man. L.A., it's a little far away. You're not really still a Lakers fan, are you? I mean, listen, I grew up with Shaq and Kobe. I idolized Los Angeles oh, basketball good. growing up. I was yeah. alive for the first of the three, Pete. The second two, Pete, back-to-back with Kobe and Powell. When it became LeBron, I spent most of my childhood slandering LeBron James to the best of my abilities in the conversation against Kobe Bryant. I do not make the same one, although Kevin Walsh will get very mad at me for saying this. Kobe in a game one-on-one in his prime against LeBron James wins. Anyway, no, the Lakers are not really still my team. And 26-1 to right now, Dave Sherapan, to win the Western Conference is the longest number we have seen on Los Angeles all year. The preseason favorites in that conference, now 26-1. to You just talked about it in the East. The preseason favorites were the Brooklyn Nets, and they remain the favorites at plus 290 because of that idea of a full-health Brooklyn Nets roster with Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving playing in all games, winning a seven-game series. A great way to evaluate the futures prices that you will see in the Western and Eastern conferences. We needed that advice on this Monday morning, and our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sherapan, certainly came through. Dave, as always, we appreciate your time here on a Monday. Hey, I appreciate being here as well. I can't wait to talk to you about who's going to win the Big Ten tournament. I have no idea. After heading down this road, any one of these top six teams can win it at this point. I'm just mad at a plus 480 ticket with Purdue that they lost on the road. More of the money after next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What a Monday it has been here on the morning after on the Spiz Grizz, otherwise known as Sirius XM and the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. We had breaking news in Major League Baseball, broken by our very own Craig Mish, who will have much more on Derek Jeter and the Miami Marlins parting ways. And Derek Jeter, number two, stepping down as the CEO of the Marlins in just a couple of moments on Fantasy Sports Today. We had news from the NFL and, of course, following one of the most wild weekends in college basketball, entering the month of madness officially in March tomorrow, and NBA action, all of that wrapped into one on the morning after on this Monday. That's how you start off a week in the sports landscape. And we cannot close out this show before giving you our best bet for this Monday night of action on the hardwood. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it is time for Bye Bye Bye. (laughs) 
So the Brooklyn Nets are back at home tonight as a four-point underdog inside the Barclays Center against the Toronto Raptors. A huge win for the Nets on the road in Milwaukee on Saturday. And at the moment, Kyrie Irving still cannot play in Brooklyn, New York. Kevin Durant will not play, nor will Ben Simmons. So one of the pieces of that blockbuster deal who has played for the Brooklyn Nets already is Seth Curry. And in my opinion, the market is still undervaluing what Seth Curry does from a production standpoint in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. His point total tonight for his point prop is 16 and a half against the Toronto Raptors. Seth Curry has gone over this number of 16 and a half in four of the five games for the Brooklyn Nets, even scoring 19 on the road against the Bucks on Saturday night. He is averaging 19.2 points per game in his five games in a Nets uniform. And again, over that number in four of his five games for the Nets. Seth Curry over 16 and a half points tonight against the Toronto Raptors. The morning after always has a ton of ton in store. Every weekday right here on Sports Grid. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow. Have a great Monday.